We hear in the Gospel of Luke, they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told what happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Come join us today on The Way with DJ. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to On The Way with DJ. Last week's podcast had to do with baptismal misconceptions. And today, I'd like to talk a little bit about confirmation misconceptions. Now, when we talk about confirmation, confirmation is one of the three sacraments of initiation. We have baptism, we have confirmation, and then we have Eucharist. And what I'd like to do before we begin this session today, um, because confirmation really focuses on the third person of the Blessed Trinity, focuses on the Holy Spirit. And so I'd like to begin today's podcast with a prayer, a very common prayer called Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful Grant that by the same Holy Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolations. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So, the Sacrament of Confirmation, and and this podcast, I guess, is not really going to be dealing much with what misconceptions there might be when it comes to the Sacrament of Confirmation, but maybe do a little bit of catechesis and maybe try to understand a little bit about what the Sacrament of Confirmation is all about. So the Sacrament of Confirmation is also often called a sacrament without a theology. And the reason why it's, it's called that is because if you go to various dioceses around the country or around the world even, you might find that the Sacrament of Confirmation is conferred at different ages. You might have a sacrament that's being conferred maybe when a child or a young person is 12 years old. Then you might have some diocese that might say, well, no, we're going to confer the sacrament of confirmation shortly or together even with the sacrament of baptism. And so there's often a debate and often a Um, discussion that kind of goes around the fact of when really is someone ready to receive the sacrament of confirmation. Um, I often have heard of parishes around the country and even in my own diocese that actually confirm um, the young people when they are in high school. So it does kind of lend itself to the idea that maybe this, the confirmation, the sacrament of confirmation is a sacrament without a theology. Now, if you go into the early church and you talk about the initiation process, the early church had what was called the order of how the sacraments of initiation were conferred. And that order was baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist. 
very similar to what happens to someone today if they come into the faith um, as an adult, you know, at the Easter Vigil. They receive the sacrament of baptism first, then they receive the sacrament of confirmation, and then finally the sacrament of Eucharist. If you go into the Eastern Rite of the the Catholic Church, you also see that that is the order that they use. So they will baptize a baby, they will confirm that baby shortly after baptism, and then they will also give First Communion in the form of precious blood in, in a little eyedropper. So that is kind of the order that was used in the early church and also the order that is used in the Eastern Rite. Now, to kind of look at that and to kind of say, okay, well, why is that the way it is? We kind of have to look a little bit, I think, at the history of the sacrament itself. So at first, the sacrament of confirmation was something that was part of baptism. It was part of the baptism of a neophyte or someone coming into the church. And it really didn't become a separate ritual until around the third centuries. So many felt that it was the bishop that really should confer all of the sacraments of initiation. And so the bishop was the one that was going to lay hands on the person. The bishop was the one that was going to confer the sacrament. Well, as the church began to grow, there weren't that many bishops around to cover the entire territory. And so the sacrament of confirmation then became kind of separated and done every year or every couple of years where the bishop could get to a particular parish or a particular church or particular area of a diocese in order to confer the sacrament. But on the other hand, it was very important for new babies and new people coming into the church to be baptized right away. So it was regular practice as a separate ritual by the fifth century. And there also then became the idea that a person should receive the sacrament of confirmation when they are ready for it. Now, the whole idea of when you're ready for it is again debated because you can have someone who will say, well, I'm ready to receive the sacrament of confirmation. But then on the other hand, the person that is preparing the person to receive that sacrament might say, no, that person is not ready. So it becomes a question of who says when I'm ready to receive it. And so you see that many times when you see the kids today that we confirm, when we confirm them in eighth grade or high school or whatever, we kind of try to determine, well, are they ready? Have they been properly formed? And what we try to do is we try to say, yes, they are properly formed. We do the best that we can to do that. But it also kind of goes to the idea, well, if a child or a young person is saying to us they want to be confirmed, who are we to deny them that sacrament? So many of the elements of the rite are the same. You know, the use of chrism and godparents and sponsors and renewal of baptismal promises and the laying on of hands and all of those things are very important to the sacrament of confirmation. And that that kind of goes, again, kind of dovetails with the whole idea of baptism because baptism also uses chrism. It also uses the, the idea of godparents or sponsors and the renewal and obviously the the speaking for the infant 
of the baptismal promises by the parents and godparents and so on. So a lot of times then kind of going, so that's the kind of the practicality of the sacrament of confirmation. But then um, a lot of people will debate, you know, and we'll try to find the scriptural basis for the sacrament. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about when I first started this podcast about the whole idea of, well, it has to do with the Holy Spirit. Well, when we talk about the third person of the Blessed Trinity, a lot of times what happens is the Holy Spirit kind of gets a short shrift. You know, the Holy Spirit is not the person of the Blessed Trinity that we kind of talk about that much. You know, we talk about Jesus for sure, you know, as being the Son of God and being human and being divine at the same time. And we talk about the Father, you know, God the Father is very prevalent, obviously, in the in the Old Testament. But do we really talk about what the, the Holy Spirit does? And so you kind of have to look at the scriptural basis of the images of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can all go back to, again, the whole idea of, um, you know, trying to d- dispel this idea that Confirmation is a sacrament with the out of theology. I mean, you can go back into the Old Testament even, and you can see, you know, the cloud and the light on Mount Sinai when Moses received the Ten Commandments. You know, you can see the the, the kings. You know, the kings of Israel, especially King David, being anointed. You know, anointed with sacred oil. Um, you can see even moving into the New Testament. You can see the Spirit of the Lord resting upon Jesus at his baptism in the form of a dove, you know. Um, And then you go into the early church and you see, you know, the Holy Spirit being conferred upon the apostles and how they begin to speak in tongues. So there's a lot of times within um, within Scripture where, you know, the Holy Spirit is very, very prevalent. So to say, really, I think that the Holy, that confirmation as a sacrament without a theology is kind of not really true because it does have a deep, deep theology, maybe a theology that we haven't mined yet. Maybe we haven't, you know, haven't concentrated on yet. And so we don't really know. So maybe that's something for theologians today and people within the church to kind of focus on. Um, one of the things that um, have to do with confirmation um, that the kids learn and that everybody who receives the sacrament basically learns is the whole idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and then the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So to, again, to go back to the scriptural basis of these things, um, you know, you talk about in Isaiah chapter 11, talk about those gifts, the gifts of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and right judgment and courage and reverence and fear of the Lord, you know, and then you look at the fruits which are contained in Galatians and Paul's letter to Galatians in chapter five, you know, when he talks about love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control and goodness and modesty and chastity, you know, all of those things are fruits, fruits of the Holy Spirit. So it's important, I think, that when we talk about um, the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to kind of distinguish between the, the two of them. You know, we, you know, everybody is basically asked to, to memorize the gifts, you know. Well, those are the things that the Holy Spirit is giving you in order to help you fulfill your mission. Your, to fulfill your mission as being 
um, a, a, a mini Messiah, someone who is um, trying to live their life like Jesus and trying to be a good disciple. And those gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are freely given, you know, which are given to us at our baptism, but also more fully at the sacrament of confirmation, you know, those gifts are something that we can use to be a good disciple. Well, then what about the fruits? You know, what about the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Well, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are if we use those gifts within our lives, we become a more loving person. We become a more joyous person. We become peaceful. You know, we practice patience, you know, and they can see those things within our lives. So the fruits and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, again, something that really, really should be emphasized. So I hope in this short podcast that I did today um, that you can kind of see that, yes, confirmation can kind of be a sacrament, you know, that has, has some misconceptions about it because we don't know when it should be conferred and so on. But we have to realize that it is truly a sacrament and it does give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So that Holy Spirit is going to be with us in a very, very special way. Um, when we receive that sacrament of confirmation, whether we receive it as a small baby, you know, with the, with the restored order, or if we receive it as, a, as an adult. Um, but it is important to kind of seal, you know, that those gifts of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, that's what the bishop says, you know, when he confirms someone. He says, be sealed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In other words, those spirits or those gifts are being sealed within you to be able to be used, you know, in many, many different ways as you become a better disciple of the Lord. And so um, hopefully, you know, this might spark a little conversation, maybe some comments about the podcast itself, about when, you know, confirmation happened for you even. Um, to share a little bit of a, my own personal story, I was conferred, confirmed in seventh grade. Um, and the reason for that is very practical. You know, at that time, um, the Archdiocese of Chicago, where, where I was living, where I live, only had two auxiliary bishops and the cardinal. And they had to get around to 30, 300 some odd parishes. Um, and so we, I was confirmed in seventh grade, but there were also eighth graders that were confirmed at the same time. So a bishop can only come to our parish every couple of years in order to um, celebrate a confirmation. So that's why I was confirmed in seventh grade. Um, you talk to anyone, you know, they might say, well, I was confirmed in fourth grade, or I was confirmed in high school, or I became, you know, Catholic later in life. And so I went through our CIA and I was confirmed at the Easter vigil in whatever year, you know. So, um, but it is, I hope that those things kind of spark conversation and maybe even to go a little bit deeper and to kind of say, well, where does the Holy Spirit work in your life? You know, where, where is the Holy Spirit working? You know, when I did the little podcast about prayer, I talked about God moments, you know. God moments are moments where the Holy Spirit is working within us. And hopefully that Holy Spirit can continue to work within us um, throughout our lives. And so thank you again for listening. And I hope that you um, follow my, my podcast and you're listening to other episodes. 
but also to feel free to email or or comment on any of the podcasts that I've been doing. Maybe even to give you or give me some ideas for some podcasts that maybe you would want to hear. So may God continue to bless all of you. May God continue to bless you and your families. And may the Holy Spirit always, always be close to you in your heart as he gives you those gifts. Those gifts are sealed within you and they they become fruitful as you become a good disciple of Jesus.